Hello, and welcome to The Top 3, a podcast where we discuss the definitive rankings of everything. I'm your host, Kieran Davey. Today, I'm joined by Callista Leung to discuss the top three Taylor Swift songs. It's sure to be a good discussion. Let's dive in. Hi, Callista. Thank you for joining me today. Welcome to the top three. Hi, thank you for having me. I am excited to have you on. Also excited to talk about Taylor Swift, one of the most famous musicians of our era. Arguably the artist of our decade, might I say. Yes, yes. And I'm glad you mentioned that because we'll definitely get to it. Before we begin, what has been your experience with Taylor Swift? How did you get to know Taylor's music? Actually, a friend showed me the Love Story music video when it came out back in 2009, and I think that made me fall into the hole. And now I have been a dedicated fan since, and I think it's been over 10 years of me just memorizing all of her lyrics, so it's been a while. Yeah, you're a huge Taylor Swift fan, which is why you are the guest on the podcast. Is she your favorite musician? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. I know you're also a huge BTS fan, so I wasn't sure who had the number one spot. I think just by time and loyalty, I don't know lyrics as well for any other artist. So I think that's how I decided she was my favorite. Fair enough. Also helps maybe that she's not singing in Korean the whole time. Exactly. (laughs) Okay, awesome. Yeah, similar to me, actually, that's how I found her music as well was kind of through the You Belong With Me music video is probably the one that played in our house the most. Mm -hmm. Iconic. Totally. My mom and sisters were huge, huge fans of that music video. We would listen to the CD Fearless in the car all the time. Oh my gosh. I probably had a bit of like a love-hate relationship with Taylor Swift because it was definitely like my mom and sister's music more than she was my <laughs> artist that I liked. Mm-hmm. But I mean, she's kind of just like taken over the world. So, you know, I support. I support. Mm-hmm. You have no choice but to listen to her music now. You can't get away from it. Yeah, exactly. After 1989 was released and you just heard Taylor Swift literally all the time in every context. Always. <laughs> Yeah, it was interesting because I think 1989 came out in 2016 or 2015, and that was right after I met all of my high school friends who at the time were like, Taylor Swift is so mainstream, why would you listen to her? And then 1989 (laughs) came out, and suddenly they all became fans. So I feel like everyone started liking her after 1989. Yeah, because she's really had a pretty remarkable career. She started pursuing music in Nashville at age 14 which is wild, so young, and then released her first album when she was only 17, which I didn't know that she was that young when she started. I thought that was a mind-blowing fun fact. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing about her first album is that it came out when she was 17, but the songs in it she wrote when she was like 13, 14. And so like the lyrics are from a very, very young Taylor. Yeah, which is kind of wild because I don't think there's anything that I created when I was 13 that I would want (laughs) still out there in the world. I know, I know. So it's a bit of like an interesting legacy to have. But then Fearless, which I mentioned was the CD that we played in the car the most, Fearless was released when she was only 19 years old. Mm -hmm. And there's so many good songs in that album. She was 19. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. And then with Fearless was when she moved from being like just straight country to also be more of a pop artist and to kind of more into the mainstream music. And this transition towards pop continued with the release of albums like Red in 1989, especially. 1989 had hits like Shake It Off. And then most recently, she kind of moved into like indie folk music, which I know (laughs) you're less of a fan of probably. (laughs) But I'm kind of into it. Yeah. I'm into this switch. She's one of the best-selling musicians of all time. She was named Woman of the Decade 
by Billboard, and she was named Artist of the Decade by the American Music Awards, which are like huge, huge claims. And she's also one of only four musicians to have ever won three Grammys for Album of the Year. Mm-hmm. It's her, Frank Sinatra, Paul Simon, and Stevie Wonder. Yeah, that's crazy. That's an insane group. Yeah. Like, that's like such an insane group. But what's really crazy is Taylor Swift was the first woman to win two Album of the Year Grammys. And then she was also the first woman to win three Album of the Year Grammys. What can I say? (laughs) She's a genius. Yeah. The more I read and researched, the more blown away I was by just how many accolades and awards she's won. She's so successful. It's actually insane. Mm -hmm. And not to say it wasn't like hard work, right? The way she got started that not many people know of is that she and her mom lived in Nashville at the time and she made like a mini album on a CD and literally went to like all the radio stations and just like gave them her CD as a youngling and went like, can you play this please? And I think after like so much persistence, the radios were like, okay, we'll like check it out. And I think Tim McGraw or... Teardrops on My Guitar was like one of the first ones that got popular. I think it's really cool also to see that rise to stardom kind of story. Exactly. And the fact that she's still famous how many years later? Yeah, crazy. And I think the sustainability of it is kind of what I think makes her special and unique as an artist. Like, obviously, she has great songs. But I think being able to navigate the transformation from like country girl to pop star to folk music is super impressive. We've seen other musicians, like Miley Cyrus came to mind as somebody who has not made that transition as smoothly. (laughs) Amidst all of so much success, I feel like she still seems like pretty grounded and pure and like kind of untouched by all the mess of celebrity. Yeah, I mean, she talks about this a little bit in her documentary on Netflix. She talks about how she felt pressured to constantly reimagine herself just to like keep being popular. People tend to expect female celebrities to reinvent themselves every couple years so that they have something fresh to look at. And so it's interesting that she has made the pivot from very country to very pop and to now extremely folky music. It makes me wonder like how much of that is because she actually wanted to do it or if she was pressured in a way. Mm, that's a great point. That's something I never really thought of. I also wonder, like, where do you think she's going to go next, like, after this folk music phase? I know. I feel like Evermore and Folklore came about because the pandemic, and she kind of knew that she wasn't going to be able to tour these albums, so she probably came up with, like, super chill music and music that was really true to herself because of this, but... Now that stadium tours are starting to become a thing again, is she going to come up with, like, a crazy pop album again or I don't know she's also re-releasing a lot of her old music because of her contract and how is that gonna fit in with like new albums are we not gonna get one until she finishes re-recording all of them who knows yeah that's a great point and now that she can do tours like she has to start getting back into releasing bangers yeah I'm excited for that I'm excited for that too the more I thought about it the more I thought like maybe she is like the artist of the decade also, I feel like it seems like she's a really good role model for girls. Yeah. She sings a lot about ex-boyfriends, but I feel like other than that, like she's she's pretty pure. She's pretty awesome. That's a very tropey thing. That's a very touchy subject, I would say, within the community of, <laughs> you know, Taylor Swift writing songs about boys. Oh no, like, don't date her because you might turn into a song. I mean, I think that's like very old and done for now that, especially 
now she's been in a relationship for a couple years. But I think like her songwriting is also a reason why she's been able to stay relevant for so long because in a time where lyrics don't matter as much, she still comes out with songs that are very thoughtful. And I think that's also what sets her apart too. Yeah, I agree. I think always her lyrics have seemed genuine. This might be wrong, but I think she's a listed writer on every single song that she's ever come out with. And the impressive thing is one of her most orchestral albums, uh, Speak Now, she did the entire thing by herself. Oh, awesome. The only writer on all of the songs is just her. And that's so impressive because the biggest gripe that a lot of people have with pop music is that it all sounds the same or it's all written by the same people. It's manufactured. Yeah, totally. It's just like the group of album kind of record writers who just write hit songs. They know the formula and structure and they just get pretty people with pretty voices to sing these songs that are written. I mean, to be fair, she kind of has those too. Yes. <laughs> I wouldn't say me is the most lyrically, you know, elegant song ever written, but I, it's good to know that she can do both. No, exactly. And I'm sure that she is getting lots of assistance, but I think she does still seem to maintain her own voice most of the time. I think the way she releases albums is a reaction to what's going on in her life too, right? Like Reputation came right after the whole Kim Kardashian, Kanye West thing that happened. Things like Red came after like really important breakups she had in her life. And then Lover came from a time when she was very happy in her relationship. So it's interesting to look at her discography from the very beginning to where she is now and like basically see her life story through all the songs and then also see kind of the progression from like happy songs to not as happy songs and now back to happy songs again and it's interesting to see I think. Yeah I always appreciate an artist who can have like good cohesive moods for their albums. Mm -hmm. That's nice. Mm -hmm. Well then let's dive into kind of her music and discuss what tracks are are the best. Okay. Cool. We can kick it off by talking about her first album, self-titled, called Taylor Swift. I'll admit, I don't have really strong affinity to this album. Me too. (laughs) This album is a little too country for my music taste in general, but I just think it's impressive that 13-year-old Taylor wrote these songs. Yeah, it's impressive for how young she was, and like she's doing it on her own as a teenage country music star, but, like, I'm not going to listen to this album. (laughs) It's not one that I'm tossing on. I think, like, the only song that I would think is maybe worth keeping in our kind of roster is maybe Teardrops on My Guitar. Mm, Just because it's so iconic? Yeah. But even then, like, it's not going to make the top three for me. Yeah. I'd say that I don't listen to this album too much, but I can also recite the lyrics to the majority of the songs in this album. (laughs) Um, I think an underrated one is I'm Only Me When I'm With You. I remember back in the day when she came out with this, she made like a little home music video with Selena Gomez and it was very cute because it was about friendship. That resonated with me back then because I was like, oh, I don't resonate with these breakup songs, but I do have friends. (laughs) So I think that's why that one stands out to me. But I don't think it would make it into my top three either. Oh, that's an adorable honorable mention. (laughs) So then moving on to like her second album, which... I think it's one of her best albums, personally. And it has been recently re-recorded. Conveniently (laughs) re-released. Fearless. Do you notice many major differences between the re-released version and the original one? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think the thing that most people on the internet say is, oh my gosh, she sounds so much more mature. For me, 
it's the instrumentation that got a little different. Things sound a lot more clear in the new one versus the old one. 2008 recording might not have been as technologically advanced as it is now, but I like the old one more because she sounds more young and it's, I think it's more believable. Old Taylor singing young Taylor songs doesn't hit as hard, but there's a lot of good songs in this album too. Yeah, like when somebody is singing about being 15, like when they're 19, (laughs) as opposed to when they're 30, like there's a big difference. Exactly. Speaking of the song 15, that's one of the songs that I dislike because... So for my 15th birthday, my stepsister requested that we play the song 15 by Taylor Swift before I blew out the candles on my birthday cake. Uh Everyone's like, oh yeah, great idea, let's do it. But, like, it's not a fun song. It's not it's a like fun song. It's, like, kind of sad. And, and also, like, it's long. It's, like, a five-minute long song. And so for the first, like, 30 seconds, we're like, haha, this is a funny idea. Three minutes later, we're still listening to Sad Taylor, and I'm like, this sucks. That's so funny. So, not my favorite. But which ones do you think, obviously, Love Story and You Belong With Me are two of her, like, biggest You don't not scream those songs when they come on the radio. You just have to. (laughs) Yeah, but I think this album has a lot of significance to me because it was the first album that I bought. And also it happens to be my boyfriend's favorite album. I think the trifecta of Tell Me Why You're Not Sorry and The Way I Loved You, like the way she put all three of those songs together is very impressive to me because they're all very emotional songs. But they're also apparently one of the least listened to, which is unfortunate. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, those three are not the ones that I would have pulled off. Like, the ones that I definitely know the most. Fearless is the opening track. Love Story, You Belong With Me. Mm -hmm. I really like Forever and Always. Mm, Yeah. An interesting tidbit about Taylor Swift albums, I think she started in Fearless, if I'm not mistaken, is in the lyric books. She has secret messages for fans to decode. So in the lyrics, she'll randomly capitalize certain letters in the lyrics. And if you spell them out, like you get like a secret hint about like what the song is about. Oh, that's wild. The FBI-ness of it all. Yeah. <laughs> you feel like you're like uncoding the mystery. Yeah. Okay, so then, so which ones do we want to keep on our roster from this album? I think Forever and Always is something we can agree on. I think as much as I love Love Story and You Belong With Me and the fact that they each have, you know, over 300 million listens, I don't know if they would be in my top three. Wild. Okay, well, pin that. I'm definitely bringing You Belong With Me to, like, our our (laughs) final conversation. Okay. Maybe we'll bring Love Story too, just because it's so iconic, but that one might be cut. We'll see. Mm -hmm. So then moving on to Speak Now. My favorite album. Oh, really? I think it is my favorite album. Wow, that's wild. If this is your favorite album by your favorite artist. Yeah, it's mostly because of the lyrics. Mm. Every single song on this album is like a diary entry into Taylor Swift's life. I think her longest song to ever come out, Dear John, is on this album. It's almost seven minutes Mm -hmm. long. So imagine a seven minute song with the guy's name and the title, how much information (laughs) you can glean from that. When the guy is also a pop star musician. He who shall not be named. (laughs) Okay, we don't name him. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, I guess then you're not a big John Mayer fan. I mean, I am not one of those fans that hates every single one of her exes. But I do think the song says a lot. So if you want to listen to it and find out, you'll learn a lot. I don't know if I should save this in case, like, 
I ever do like a John Mayer top three, <laughs> but I have this like continuum idea about John Mayer. Mm. I think that he is like one of the best guitarists currently make do music mm-hmm. out there. He's really, really technically talented. I think he's like a pretty solid songwriter in terms of like the music. He writes pretty good songs. Decent vocalist. I think he's an okay lyricist. And sometimes he gets it, but there are like some big misses. And I think he's a pretty like terrible person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that's where yeah. it gets me. <laughs> so, you know, uh, everybody's multifaceted. They have their pros and cons. And that's kind of my, uh, yep, yep. that's my breakdown of John Mayer. <laughs> yep. Sounds good. I don't know much of his song, so I cannot comment, but always Team Taylor. Okay, fair enough. Definitely in this episode, for sure. <laughs> so Speak Now, your favorite album, how do you choose? <laughs> oh, there's just so many. I can't. I don't know. I think right off the bat, Back to December has to come with me. I try not to think too hard about who this song is about, because it's about uh, Taylor Lautner. <laughs> is, is he still in the good books? <laughs> I don't. I think so. I'm just not like a Twilight fan. And I think it's weird that she had such a like intense thing with Team Jacob. But anyways, (laughs) I really like Back to December because I also learned it on the piano too. Oh, very cool. Also will be permanently engraved in my brain. I have a similar relationship with Speak Now and Me and I learned (laughs) how to play them on guitar. Yeah. This is a long time. I don't know if I could remember them now. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I also really like Long Live because it's one of the happy songs on this album. And I keep track of the last song I play in a year and the first song I play in a year. And for, I think, five years of my life, Long Live was the crossover song for New Year's. It's it's such a good song. And so I feel like I have to take that with me, too. So that was your, for five years, that was the first and last song that you would listen to in a year? (laughs) Yep. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, well, we'll definitely we'll bring that with us for sure. Yeah, the song is about like looking forward to better things. So I think it's a fitting song to pass the new year. In. It is a fitting song. Okay, so back to December and long live. Do we want to bring mean or speak now? Those are kind of the two ones I... I don't really like mean because of the banjo. <laughs> I think I just dislike banjo in general. Yeah, not a big fan of the twang. Okay. Yeah, and Speak Now is really good, but it's not a song that she wrote from her perspective, so I don't think I value that as much. Don't value it as much. Yeah. Okay, okay, fair enough, fair enough. Well, then we can just bring the two. I mean, Back to December and Long Live are both pretty strong contenders, it sounds like, so we can bring those two with us. Okay, sounds good. So now we shift more into her, like, pop phase, where she's really beginning to reinvent herself as an artist with Red... I think Red is actually a crossover album. Okay. I think this is listed as pop country on iTunes for like the longest time. So this was her official crossover album. But yeah, a lot of her songs do sound more pop. A la I Knew You Were Trouble. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's the one that I feel like has the most, sounds the most like electro pop and different than her previous stuff. Yeah. This album also is when she starts actually collaborating with big record songwriters like specifically max martin oh yes he's written like 25 number one singles yep max martin and shellback were also the main people behind 1989 too exactly so this is definitely when she starts shifting from being like it's just me taylor like writing the lyrics to becoming more involved in like the pop music machine well i still stand by the fact that she writes all her lyrics the backtrack and how the song sounds as a whole definitely there's an influence of other people Totally. So for this one, there's two that I think are like really, really good. 
specifically we are never ever getting back together i think is really really fun <laughs> oh i didn't know you would come out with that hmm. yeah i just think that one's really fun it's maybe a little pretty mainstream but i think it's like still one that i'll listen to and enjoy other one is also super mainstream but i think 22 is iconic just for defining like everybody's birthday forever <laughs> yep yep I am so sad that when I turned 22, COVID hit, so I really didn't get to enjoy the song as much as I wanted to. But yes, always iconic. You don't turn 22 without listening to that song at least one time. Literally everybody is feeling 22. Mm-hmm. Which ones are your favorite from this album? Yeah, I, I think this album is also in my top three albums, I would say. There are also a lot of like good lyrics. And this also is the first time I think she features other people in her songs as like features. So she has Ed Sheeran, she has Gary Lightbody, and those songs are so good. And also the deluxe edition, I think the three songs on the deluxe edition are better than a lot of the songs in the actual album, too. Wow. Wow. Yeah. But I think if I had to pick, it would have to be all too well. Even if I'm not sad, I will listen to it to get sad, to get in the mood. <laughs> the lyrics are just so intense, and also... There's a 10-minute version of the song coming out on Friday, and it's an explicit version. So we all thought that the 10-minute version was, like, mythical lore. Like, someone offhandedly said it, and then somehow people were like, oh my gosh, there's a 10-minute version that she has locked away somewhere. And it turns out she's coming out with it this Friday. So I don't expect to be a fully functioning human after I listen to that song, but I'm very, very excited to see what she says. That is going to be a wild release i'm excited for you to get to experience that yeah and in like the community red is a very autumn album like if you had to put it into a season and so now is the perfect time to be listening to these songs with like a cup of hot chocolate and a scarf perfect well then it's good it's getting re-released then well i'm definitely definitely totally fine with all too well being one that we bring with us do we want to bring 22 or we're never ever getting back together <laughs> <laughs> i would prefer 22 over we are never ever getting back together that song is great but it i think it was too overplayed for me <laughs> yeah the lead single you know gets can be a bit of a bit of a tough one if that one was too overplayed for you i'm curious to how you feel about some of the songs in 1989 which maybe were her most overplayed songs out of any of her music yeah yeah definitely well We'll discuss that when we get there. I have some thoughts. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Well, I mean, we can share the thoughts now. I'm really curious to hear what they are. Unless you had more from Red that you still wanted to bring. Uh, I think Come Back, Be Here might be in contention. That might be a hot take. Bit of a hot take, but let's do it. <laughs> awesome. For 1989, it hit me very out of left field when she came out with this because I don't think I was expecting it. But I enjoyed it in the fact that it changed all my high school friends' opinions about Taylor Swift and suddenly she was great because she came out with a pop album. And I think from the numbers, you can see it's probably one of her most famous albums. Definitely is. Yeah, it hit like multi-platinum in like a ton of different countries. Yeah, exactly. And I had the luxury of attending the concert for this album and it was so much better in person than you could imagine. And so I have very good memories tied to this album. 
I just think there's a lot of songs on there that I would throw away. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Intersticks. The highs are highs, but like maybe... The lows are quite low on this album, I think. Okay, interesting. That is a bit of a hot take, because I know this is one of the ones that really put her on the map as like like one of the biggest stars in the world. Mm-hmm. I think Shake It Off, obviously a classic, leading single. I disagree with her choice to feature Welcome to New York as a single. Yeah, bit of a weird pick. Yeah, I think it was a very strange way to start off an album, considering it's one of her lyrically least impressive songs in which she just sings Welcome to New York like 16 times, I think, in the entire song. (laughs) But then you have like iconic hits like Blank Space and Style and Wildest Dreams. Yeah. My favorite track from this one is probably Blank Space. I think it's excellent. A classic pop song. Like, you could not get more pop than that. And I think the messaging is very cute, too. Like, it was her way of getting back at everyone saying, oh, you only write songs when you date people. I think it's a good way for her to take that on and turn it on its head and then make, like, a crazy successful song just to be like, I show you guys. I can do whatever I want. Yeah, exactly. It's very self-aware in like a cheeky way, which I think is fun. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think another good contender would be Wildest Dreams. I agree. Wildest Dreams is also really fun. Did you know the beat in the beginning of the song is her heartbeat? Whoa, I did not know that. Mm-hmm. I mean, she did re-release a Taylor's version of this song, so I'm glad she owns her heartbeat again. That's true. <laughs> Weird thing for somebody else to own. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, And so metaphorical, because if they own her recorded demos, they own her heart, who she is. Exactly. Literally her heartbeat. Ah, okay, okay. That's funny. So do you want to bring Wildest Dreams and Blink Space? Shake it off? Welcome to New York? I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Shake it off as much as I love it. Also not the most lyrically impressive. And I think I value songs that are lyrically deep because that's why I found her and fell in love with her. Totally. And Shake It Off, I feel like, is one of those ones that got played so much that I'm like... Oh, yeah. Okay, we can bring uh, Blank Space and Wildest Dreams. Also, like, honorable mention, Wonderland. It's a deluxe edition song. Crazy. It's so good. Yeah, I love that you're giving some, some love to the deluxe edition tracks. That's how you know you're a true fan, you know? The songs aren't just the ones that are from 1 to 13. You gotta listen to the ones on the second CD, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was me on on our Paul Simon episode. I'm digging deep into the B-sides and, like, the demos for the weird stuff. Exactly. Do we want to shift our attention to Reputation? Okay. Also a top three album for me. Really? I think a hot take. That is a hot take. It's more like kind of dark, like, R&B vibes and the rest of her stuff. I think that's why I like it so much. It's, like, the perfect workout album. Ah. I think I like music that has, like, a driving beat. Tends to be darker, which I like, but also has the same amount of lyricism you can find in the other albums. Sonically, this album is the most cohesive because everything is dark. I mean, Fearless is pretty cohesive as, like, country girl pop rock. Yes, Yes, but I think this is, like, emotionally cohesive. (laughs) True. Like, the whole album was spawned after a bunch of people started sending her sneak emojis because Kim Kardashian told them to. I think before this album came out, she didn't see anyone in the public eye for, like, two years because she got shamed on the internet and people just suddenly decided that that they didn't like her anymore. Because I think what happened and what she 
discussed in her documentary was that 1989 made her so popular and then suddenly public opinion turned on her and the public opinion was we've seen too much of you we don't want to see you anymore so she disappeared for two years and wrote this album in response and on tour she had giant snakes on her set (laughs) so i think this is also her taking ownership of what happened to her and turning it on its head again yeah totally she never promoted this album with like press interviews or anything exactly it's an underdog album and they started doing that more later on too where she would just drop albums with like not as much notice yeah and up until this point she took at least two years in between albums but i think after this she found kind of her enjoyment of writing music or, well, releasing music at least, and started coming out with more albums closer together. And I think also because of the pandemic. Probably had an impact, I think. <laughs> yeah. Like, Ariana Grande did the same thing, where she just dropped music because she wanted to, so... Everyone's just chilling and making music, and they're like, well... Yeah. So what tracks do you want to pull from this one? Interestingly, Call It What You Want is my alarm song. Oh, is that does that make it good or like... <laughs> it's been my alarm song for I think three years now and I still like the song. So I think that says a lot. So Call It What You Want is like permanently ingrained in my head. But I also really enjoy I Did Something Bad, Don't Blame Me, and Dancing With Our Hands Tied. Whoa, do we want to bring all of those? I don't know. This album, I just want to bring the whole album. (laughs) (laughs) Minus Look What You Made Me Do. I really did not enjoy that song. When that came out, it was the leading single and I thought I would hate this album because I was like, there's no way if the other songs sound like this, I probably will hate it because it was such a lyrically shallow song, I guess. But she came up with all of these other ones, so I don't know. Let's bring a max of three from this album. I think Call What You Want, let's bring that one. Okay, okay, okay. It's something bad, and then maybe dance with her hands tied? Actually, I'll bring Dress Up, because it's a happy song. Okay. And then we only have a few albums left now. I know. Two of which I am not as familiar with, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that'll be that'll be okay. For Lover, a happy time in her life album. I'm so sad that the promotion for this album got cut because of COVID. I also waited five hours on Ticketmaster to get tickets to this concert only to have it be canceled. Oh no. I was gonna fly to LA, do the whole thing. She had a heart-shaped stage. It was gonna be great. Oh my gosh. She would have opened SoFi Stadium. Like no one else would have been in SoFi Stadium before that, but everything got canceled because of the pandemic. But I think Cruel Summer, according to Spotify, is my most listened to song of all time. Of all time, wow. Of all time. Okay, I have to admit, I'm not a huge fan of that song, but since you love it so much, I think we can bring it. Yes. How do you feel about London Boy? It's very happy. (laughs) It is very happy. Yeah, my taste in music is like, I don't want the extremes. Like, I don't want extreme depression in music, and I don't want extreme happiness. So, like, the (laughs) things in the middle I tend to like the most. I also really like the messaging of the man. Like, just the lyrics are so important. I also really like Miss Americana and the Heartbreak Prince. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of good ones. But I think if I had to pick two, I would pick Miss Americana and Cruel Summer. See, I think my two would be London Boy and I Think He Knows. Yeah. I Think He Knows is such a bop. Yeah. I just don't think any other song that she came out with sounds like Miss Americana. And she's never performed it, so who knows if I'll ever see that live. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Well, then maybe we can go with Miss Americana for the uniqueness of it. Yeah, so since you almost saw it live, or like had tickets, kind of, or were waiting in line, is this like a sad album for you? <laughs> it's like 
iconic to the start of the pandemic. And then speaking of the pandemic, the next two albums are very much pandemic albums. Arguably also her most like famous albums too. Like, I feel like she got into a demographic that would normally never listen to Taylor Swift. Yeah, definitely. She's touched the, like, indie folk kind of soft vibes, which I feel like was good. And one thing that I loved about Folklore and Evermore is that she's working with some of my favorite musicians. Yeah. And I love that Taylor Swift likes the artists that I like. (laughs) Like, she's working with The National and Haim and Bonnie Vare. And, like, The National and Bonnie Vare are two of my, like, favorite contemporary musicians. And so I was so stoked that, like, The National is being featured on a Taylor Swift song. I'm like, this is insane. I was so excited. Yeah, it's like worlds colliding. I'm just happy that they're, like, getting more awareness. I think that's really cool. The attention they deserve. And that's why I love that, like, me and Taylor Swift can vibe to some of the same stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you guys would be good friends. I would love that. Taylor, if you're a listener, then hit me up. We can hang out. <laughs> me too. <laughs> Bring me along everywhere. Yeah, actually, yeah. If, if Taylor's listening, I think she should maybe hit you up first because you have <laughs> the decades of like pure fandom. Mm-hmm. Folklore first? Yeah. Do you have many tracks that you want to pull off this one? I actually do. Okay. Okay. Interesting. I don't know if they'd be in my top three, but I do have favorites from these albums. They're worth mentioning. Yeah. Yeah. I think Exile is a good one featuring bunny bear your idol <laughs> yes i think justin vernon is one of the coolest musicians so i'm very happy that taylor swift thinks so too <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and i think august is a good one it was stuck in my head for so long see folky but also earwormy i definitely listen to evermore more than folklore really yeah yeah, yeah. oh folklore i felt had a little bit maybe too cohesively sad folk for me <laughs> uh yeah i was listening to this album for the first time on my tv and my mom walked past and she was like why do all the songs sound the same and i was like okay yeah i can see that i wasn't particularly enthused because i was like waiting for a beat in any kind of song to show up and it just never did but <laughs> i can give it credit for what it is and grammy decided it was the album of the year so who am i to say it was bad and that was the one that boosted her up into that like upper echelon of uh, musicians so exactly Anything for my girl. <laughs> I don't have any tracks that I would pull off from this album into the top three, personally. But I respect it as a cohesive musical style. I might pull August. Okay, cool, cool, cool. From Evermore, I'm a big fan of Coney Island. But that's also mm. just because I love The National. <laughs> the bias is showing. You don't actually like Taylor Swift. You just like the other person. Yeah, I just chose the Taylor Swift song that sounds the most like a song by The National. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I really liked The Damn Season, which I feel like not many people listen to. Yeah, that is a bit of a hot take. I also like Gold Rush because it has a beat. (laughs) (laughs) The one song that has a a beat on it. Yeah, but I don't know if either of those would make it into my top three. Yeah, I mean, they wouldn't for me personally. We can mention them as honorable mentions, maybe. Mm -hmm. I respect Folklore and Evermore as albums, but it's just not my kind of music and not necessarily what I expect when I listen to Taylor Swift, so I didn't listen to these as much. Fair, fair enough. But we appreciate that she is continuing to diversify as an artist and, like, make good music. Exactly, and who knows what will come after this, because she might start becoming an EDM artist, who knows? (laughs) And we will support. Yes, and we will support. Okay, so then that leaves us with... Oh no. We were not very decisive. We have about, like, 15 to 20 songs that we've mentioned and pulled out. Right. (laughs) 
So we have a huge big list of ones that we mentioned. I think there's some that we can strike off as honorable mentions. Like we mentioned Teardrops on My Guitar is an early one, but that yes. we can put as honorable mention. Yes. And we also thought Love Story was an honorable mention too. I think so. This is a really hard list to whittle down. Yeah, I mean, most recently we mentioned also Gold Rush and... I think honorable mentions. I think for me, anything from Folklore or Evermore are honorable mentions. Okay, okay. Everything from Folklore and Evermore is an honorable mention. We'll take all those off. Yeah, I think my heart belongs to, like, old Taylor Swift. So the songs that we have currently that we're working with, we have You Belong With Me, Forever and Always, Back to December, Long Live, 22, All Too Well, Come Back, Be Here, Blank Space, Wildest Dreams, Call It What You Want, Dress, I Did Something Bad, London Boy, I Think He Knows, Miss Americana, and Cruel Summer. It's like 14 songs. <laughs> we did such a good job. So there's a few that you mentioned like are like really important to you personally. You said All Too Well is really important to you. You mentioned Long Live is your first and last song of every year for the last five years, which is like pretty significant. <laughs> yeah. I know. I think All Too Well has to be in the top three for me. I don't know if Long Live would be in my top three, though. Yeah, it just has the honor of being the first and last song. Yes, yes. That makes things easy because, yeah, it wouldn't be in my top three necessarily. Of those ones that we all mentioned, do you have three that you could pull out? I think I would pull Cruel Summer, All Too Well, and Back to December. Okay, interesting. Yes, those are different than the ones I would pull, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which probably would be blank space forever and always and you belong with me mm. the three that i mm-hmm. i respect that so we do have differing top threes currently you're going way back <laughs> i'm going way back i think it would be a little hypocritical of me to have cool summer as my number one spotify played song of all time in like the 10 years i've had spotify to not include it in my top three <laughs> <laughs> i think you belong with me should be in there it just feels so classically mm-hmm. early taylor it's a good time, and like it only brings good vibes every time you hear the song. Yeah, and I just feel it's so definitively Taylor Swift. That'll be one that I would love to toss in there. And you've really advocated for All Too Well has been your your big one. So I will die on that hill. Of those three that we're working with right now, You Belong With Me, All Too Well, Cruel Summer. Probably You Belong With Me is the one that you would put at the bottom, because that's the one that I put in. <laughs> but I also understand why you would put it at the top. Maybe. But it's also very early Taylor. Is it best to say like her number one song was on her second album when she was 19? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a happy, yeah, it's a happy comfort blanket to put over the top three. Okay, okay. And then All Too Well you mentioned is like very resonating. I have friends who are very strong, cruel summer advocates who don't listen to Taylor Swift. So I feel like having that as a number one is kind of accessible for most people. It's unfortunate because that also, I think, was supposed to be a leading single, but because the pandemic happened over the summer, I think she felt that it was inappropriate to come up with a song called Cool Summer <laughs> as a, as a, and promote it as a leading single. So it never got the attention it deserved, and I feel like it needs that. Yeah, I mean, it's not my favorite track, but if you want, it's your number one listen to song on Spotify. If you <laughs> want to put the number one, I'm comfortable with us doing that. Okay, yeah. I will never skip this song. Well, then why don't we do You Belong With Me, All Too Well, Cruel Summer in that order, with number one being Cruel Summer. I think I can live with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm okay with that. I feel like your passion for All Too Well and Cruel Summer is, like, untouchable, so I'm happy to respect that. (laughs) I also, at some point after Folklore came out, someone on Tumblr made a definitive, like, ranking list 
that you could like manually do. And I spent, I think, four hours <laughs> choosing between pairs of songs. And I think Cruel Summer came out at the top. So I think it makes sense. Cool. Well, then top three Taylor Swift tracks. We have number three, You Belong With Me. Number two, All Too Well. And number one, Cruel Summer. Wild. Incredible. I never thought I'd be able to do that. I feel like it might be like a hot take. I feel like we could rearrange things and change things <laughs> up. But at least for now, that's what we're riding with. I'm okay with that. Well, thanks, Klista, for diving deep into Taylor Swift's discography with me. It's fun to yeah talk about one of the biggest artists of the decade. I know. And just to see her trajectory and that she is still killing it. I am so proud. We're excited to see what she does next. Before we wrap up, do you want to leave us with a piece of life advice? Seeing as I'm only 23, I don't know if I've lived enough life to give good advice, but I think not forgetting what is happening in the current is important for me because I tend to always look forward as to what the next thing is and what the next thing I should be excited about is, but I always fail to kind of realize the good things around me that I have right now. So I think that's a good piece of advice to give. That is really great advice. Similar as we're looking forward to what Taylor Swift does in the future, we also want to appreciate all the music she's currently given us and uh, really savor what is out there currently. Exactly. (laughs) Yes, and if it's already out by the time this podcast come out, please support Taylor Swift's new version of Red. I will be crying over the 10-minute version of All Too Well. I already know Yeah, we'll see. Maybe that'll bring it up to number one. We'll see. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, and, and great life advice to yeah, really appreciate what is around us. And I appreciate you being on the podcast. Thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to chat with me. Thank you. This is so exciting. Thank you so much. Well, that brings us to the end of the show. A big thank you to Calista for joining me today. And thank you so much for listening to the top three. We hope that you enjoyed our discussion of the top three Taylor Swift songs. If you would like to suggest a topic to be discussed or you just want to say hi, please leave a comment or message us on Instagram at thetop3pod. You can also email us at thetop3pod at gmail.com. The music featured in this podcast is by Sebastian Ochoa Mendoza. If you want to support this podcast, please tell your friends about it. I hope that you have a lovely day.